This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. We're both eating nuts Ew. right now. Sorry, people. <laughs> We're chewing here. What's that called? ASMR? I don't know what that means. Yes. Um, this is where people listen to other people doing stuff, like zipping zippers, chewing food. That's stupid. What are other things? Uh, I mean, just like whispering stuff. So like weird. Sweet nothings. <laughs> you guys. Stay out of my ear. This is Zip. Survive. And repeat. You guys, ASMR is where it's at. That's our next podcast. <laughs> Tune in every Friday. I mean, I already heard that I have an effect on some people with my voice. And your hair, apparently. Oh, my God. Did I tell? Did I already say this in the last no. app? Um, you guys, I so I do this thing for work where I'm like on social media and I posted She's kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal in the Cleveland area. And somebody saw my haircut and basically called my hair salon and was like, Hey, I need that haircut. Just like, well, my name is Jenny on the block. So now you guys can all figure out who the fuck I am. <laughs> you know, that's never happened to me. So kudos to you. I'm JLo. <laughs> well, we knew that you dance like JLo. I try. I haven't danced in a while. But well, girl, get on it. Get ready. Ooh, ooh. Okay, so, oh, I think I got nut remnant on my popper. <laughs> oh my god, mm. we're eating nuts because okay, the wine yeah. we're drinking. Okay, so again, uh, we are um, very proud to be a partner with Magna Wine Boutique. I'm just chugging this. I know. It's here's the thing. It's a very light wine with a low alcohol content, which is fine and it's dandy. Really good. But you can, it's like we're drinking it like juice over here, which is like a little dangerous. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, this is from, if you guys are interested, Magna Wine Boutique is out of Bedford, Ohio. But they do ship nationwide for those living in the United States of America. Um, they have a wine club that you can become a part of called Magna Privileges. And they have two different kinds of, I guess, clubs you can be in. So you can be in the... Um, Sweet Boutique, mm-hmm. which is what we're drinking from today, where they also have a seasonal one, which is Shelly's Selections, I believe it's called. So this week we're doing Sweet Boutique, and we are drinking the Manzoni Moscato Spumante Dolce. Woo! Say that five times fast. Mm. It has a lovely color. It looks like a rosé. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's like a rosé color. It's bubbly. So if you are into the bubbles. It's, it's a little champagne-y, but not, I mean, not dry champagne but the no. bubbles remind, remind me a little bit yeah. of champagne. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'm going to read the tasting note thingamajingy that they gave me. Uh, it has, a, aroma has hints of black cherries, raspberries, and strawberries. It is sweet and elegant with a full body and persistent finish. It says you can pair with fruit and nuts or meals during festive occasions. Mm. So um, the reason I have nuts in my mouth right now... <laughs> Sorry, that didn't sound good. The reason I'm eating nuts and on your popper, <laughs> and our on microphone my, popper, and our microphone popper, is because Danelle provided us with little trail mix uh, packages, and so we were now uh, eating some salty nuts with this delicious sweet wine. Mm-hmm. So, and none of us are real sweet wine drinkers, but we're all, I'm, we're all in agreement that it's it's pretty darn good. Um, it is only six and a half percent. So this is something I feel like on a hot day, you can just like sit around and drink the whole bottle yourself and call it a day for sure. (laughs) Um, but 
again, they so far Magna Wine Boutique has not steered us wrong with any of their wines. Um, so if you guys are interested, they have wines that are generally hard to find or can't be found in a lot of other places, um, like local grocery stores, even the more I guess ones. the higher end grocery stores that might carry like the wines you like. Um, or I know some of you have to buy wines at strange places. I don't know. Like you have to go to like a special store in like some wine states. And more. Like I remember my sister when she lived in DC, always going to or Alexandria. Technically, they would go to Wine and More. Mm. It's like a big wine place. It's okay. I'm sh- they might have some of the stuff there, but right. But they their goal is to carry wines that aren't carried a lot of other places. Yep. So also female owned, also um, African American owned. So again, we love supporting them. They have been lovely to us. We get these two bottles every month. To tell you about, so this is our second one of the month, but it's we're behind. It was technically for August, I believe. It's fine. <laughs> Who knows? No one's counting. Okay, uh, if you guys want to get involved, magnawineboutique.com, uh, and click on Wine Club, and you can get all the details. And again, they do ship nationwide. So if you are interested, check it out. And again, we're drinking. Manzani Moscato Spumante Dolce. I'm so glad you do the cards versus me because I would have totally <laughs> fucked that up. Been I don't like, know. Mash- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm already sweating. What is wrong you, with me? Do you want me to turn the air down? It's 71 in here. No, I prefer it at 72. Oh. Actually, if it were up to me, it'd be 74, but it's Ew, not. Gross. And she's over here in like a sweater. Everyone and jeans. Gross. And jeans. I like your shirt, Kenny. It's got cockatoos on oh, it. Thank or you. Parrots. They're parrots. Parrots, yeah. Whatever. It's a bird. You're just really into saying things like cockatoo. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay. Uh, is there anything that we need to update people on? I feel like we just saw each other recently. Yeah. So it's like we were, not... This is the second time we're recording this week, so. It's, it's a lot. But we wanted to get it in before the Labor Day weekend. Yes. So who wants to go first? Um, do you want to go first? You have a shorty. I have a shorty but goodie. Okay, let's do this. I haven't quite read I mean I've read it all but it's maybe a little we'll we'll get through it it'll be fine yeah Hang you tight. said you chopped up some articles and stuck them all together yeah I like <laughs> cut and pasted a bunch of shit and put it back together and it might it may or may not make sense I did it in my own format so um amazing my reliable sources for this story and I'm not going to tell you the title of the story yet great is Reader's Digest of course always and forever mm-hmm. uh Wikipedia and aopos.org I'm, I don't know if it's a piece printed. of shit. No, no, it's it's an organization. Wait, is it a a o p o s dot org? Okay, if there wasn't that extra o, it would be a piece of shit. It could be also called a popo. I don't know. I'm gonna okay. print. It's all caps, so I think it's pronounced a o p o s dot org. Whatever. Okay, so, I'm just gonna get it in my head and still think it says a piece of shit. <laughs> well, I'm gonna start out by talking about this organization. The A-P-O-P-O-O-P-P, down with me, um, (laughs) is a nonprofit organization that was formed in the early 90s by a man named Bart Wheatjens. He's Belgium. Bart Simpson. Bart, Bart. The organization addresses global issues through research, development, and deployment of scent detection technology at its training and research center in Tanzania and also seven other countries. Just going to start there. Do you know where Tanzania is? It's in Africa, Correct. Oh, I have no idea. I was asking I think you. it is. Okay, great. <laughs> Mainly because the story is based in Africa, so I'm guessing Tanzania. It's in Africa. Kenny? Great. Tanzania and Africa? 95% sure. Yeah. He's pretty smart. He's smarter than me, so. Okay. <laughs> 
so Bart traveled the world. I'm making that up, but I just feel like he was a world traveler. Editorializing. And, <laughs> well, these, this is my story. I this is my story, I, I say what I want. And Go. he knew that there were two big problems in underdeveloped countries. Mm. One being, um, specifically in Africa, um, one being hidden landmines. Ooh. It's an issue. The other being How tuberculosis. Terrible. Oh, TB. Not good. Yeah, mm-hmm. not good. Um, in fact, over 60 countries are contaminated with hidden landmines. I didn't know this. And 60? Other, 60. And other um, explosive remnants from war um, that cause tragic accidents and hamper communities from developing their land and thus keeping them locked in poverty. So, you know, it's been, you know, 20, 30 years since they had a civil war or just a war and people are trying to recuperate and develop their land and their little kid is out playing in a field, climbing a tree, and there's a landmine planted in the tree. That's an example I read. Terrible. I didn't just come up with that. Oh my god. Yeah, I was so, gonna say your mind is twisted. <laughs> it's a problem. So I also didn't know landmines could be placed in trees. Well, the story, the one story I read about this little girl, she was playing in her father's field, climbed a tree, and the tree was like hollowed out in the middle. <gasps> and she noticed a piece of like metal, a round piece of metal thing, and it was a landmine that was buried in the tree. Did she touch it? No, she escaped. She's oh, good. 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 So it's an issue. It's a problem. What are you looking at? Your neighbor. Oh, okay. Just, it was. Hi. It looks like a teenage or middle school girl who just mm-hmm. came out of her house. Sounds about right. Um, she's going to study. So she got her books. She got her books. Okay. Go to class. Oh, she can probably hear me. Oh my! She's such a sweet baby angel. I think she just started at Ohio State. Oh. I don't know that she can go. Yeah. There's a lot it's of a, the COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So. So that's one issue, landmines. The second issue was TB. Mm-hmm. And the issue is slow and inaccurate detection methods make tuberculosis the world's most deadly infectious disease. Didn't know that either. Don't we have a vaccine for that There here? is a vaccine, but in um, poor countries, they can't afford it. They don't have it available. And the vaccine's okay. not 100-proof. So, And you can cure tuberculosis with antibiotics. It's just they don't have accessibility to those things. Right. And detection is, it's, it's, it's not great. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But around 10 million new people get TB every year. 3 million go undiagnosed, which then spread it to other people. Mm. And 1.8 million people die from the disease. Oh, my God. That's a lot. And that's from Reader's Digest. So. Oh, my God. And this wasn't, like, in the 70s? This was, like, a I recent? Mean, I don't know how old the article was. Okay. So. Sometimes they, like, go back in the archives and, like, bring them back. So you never know. It might but... be from, like, mid-2000s. Okay. But we're just, I'm sure it's close to that number. Great. Um, okay. So the issue is African clinics are overwhelmed and... Um, tests to diagnose TB are often inaccurate. And um, let's see, da, 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 da. an untreated patient can infect up to a dozen other people. So think of like coronavirus, mm-hmm. like you sneeze and droplets go everywhere and it just runs rampant. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a little bit about TB and then I'll get to the, we're getting to the story. Don't worry. Hang with me. Um, <laughs> a little bit about TB because I didn't really know what it was. It's an infectious uh, bacterial disease that affects the lungs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you seen Moulin Rouge, the movie? No, I have not. Oh, okay. Does she get TB? Yes, she does. Oh, did someone sneeze in her face? I don't know how she got it, but it was like I thought France. it was a sexual disease. I like oh, a, really? like a sexually trans for some reason. I don't know why. No, but I feel like a lot of times when I see movies and people die, it's like. They cough and like blood comes out. Yes, that's one of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people that have it, they don't have symptoms. But some that do cough blood, 
um, weight loss, night sweats, fever. Uh, yeah, Can you just set that down? Yeah, We're just, too. oh God. We're I just can't. getting a fill. Okay. Yeah, I need um, to use both hands. Okay, multiple treatments of antibiotics can typically fix it. Okay, so here comes the story. You need all that background information for, this is the survival story of hero rats and how they are helping to save Africa. They're called hero rats. So I thought it was the guy's name at first. Bart. Bart. (laughs) No, I thought hero rats was like the survivor's name. I'm like, what a name. This story is about. His name is hero rats. This story is about rats that are considered heroes in Africa. Oh, okay. And they're called hero rats. Um, So we can all agree that rats traditionally get a bad rap. Uh I mean, nobody Uh likes a rat in their house. Not in my house, but I think they're cute. I think they're cute. I mean, I, I actually heard they're really pet. smart and good pets. They are very smart. Okay. I don't know if they're good pets. I would think that they would be. Um, you know, we we think of them as disease spreading, um, mm-hmm. you know, gross, dirty, whatever. Um, but a crack team of skilled rats has already saved thousands of human lives in Africa. <gasps> um, and these aren't just any old rats. These are African rats, hero rats. And they range from 10 to 17 and a half inches long. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say pounds. And I was going to be like, damn. No. And that Although doesn't include pretty- the tail. No, that's too big. Oh. <laughs> and the tail could be 14 to 18 inches. Oh my god, I have goosebumps. That is a big rat. Okay. They can weigh between like two and a half and three and a half pounds. Which is like a small cat. Yeah, because I have a dog who's seven pounds. So So yeah. Put that on a leash. Which they do. Okay, so Bart and his team set out to train giant I have a nut stuck in my throat. <laughs> she has nuts stuck in her throat, everyone. Excuse me. Kenny, cut that out. Bart and his team set out to train giant African poached rats to detect landmines and TB. We're already done with the wine. (laughs) It's it's about to be chugged down my throat. Um, Bart remembered that uh, pet rodents he'd kept as a boy in Belgium. He knew that rats were intelligent, sociable, and teachable, and they were also plentiful in supply and cheap to train. Mm-hmm. So um, when he started this organization, basically the organization started as a rat training program to detect landmines and tuberculosis. So they are socialized as babies, the rats, mm-hmm. and then they're trained. They train them with food, which is a mix of peanut butter and banana mash. Mm. Uh, sounds great. I mean, that's what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. That's what I had on my pancakes this Damn. morning. Um, leading the search to the target scent to um, earn the rewards so they train them there's two sets of rats there's tb rats and then there's also the landmine rats and they're all trained specifically to scent Jeez. and detect both of these things separately okay. okay um they're trained to sniff out either tnt explosives or the deadly disease tb um, early and fast mine detection rats complete their nine-month training on a field planted with both deactivated and live landmines uh-oh the rats, which live up to eight years in captivity, who knew, have detected over 108,000 landmines and other explosives. The four-legged explosive experts are so light-footed, there has not been one casualty. Not one rat has died of a landmine in finding a landmine. How do they, are you going to tell us how they like say there's a landmine here? Do they like point with their little paw? I did read an article and they pause for five seconds. Yeah. And they wait, and that's how they know it's an active landmine. But it seems, and I didn't read this, but from the pictures I looked at, it looks like they are on, like, a leash. So the the trainers are far away, but they're able to kind of, like, pinpoint where the mine is. I don't know. How do they deactivate them, then? 
Well, then a team goes in in the right gear and stuff, and then they remove the landmines. Oh, my God. The, the rats don't dig out the landmine and remove it. But <laughs> what if they on, did? They put on little tiny gear. They have little space, shoot, space suits, and they deactivate <laughs> the landmine. Oh, my Can God. Can you imagine? Okay. How cute. Okay. That's not what happens. So <clears throat> now the TB rats mm-hmm. have also screened almost 312,000 TB samples and detected over 8,000 cases that the public clinics missed. <coughs> oh. While it takes a lab technician all day to evaluate 20 samples of TB, a TB rat can get it done in just 10 minutes. The rats can check 100 samples for TB in 20 minutes total. Now, this is current. Um, and the same task today would take a lab technician up to four days. Ten minutes versus four days? Yeah. Okay, and rats. they're right almost every time. Okay. Um, so the organization made a statement and said, it's so beautiful to see our rat trainers and their hero rats working jointly for a better world. And if you want to learn more about this organization, mm-hmm. you can go to apopo.org and you can adopt an animal like a rat Mm-hmm. Or you can just make a donation if you wish. Ooh. But they're making real changes, and they have some amazing stories on their website of people that have, like, communities that have actually really benefited from this rat-sniffing technology. So that is the survival story and life-saving stories of the hero rats found in Africa. Oh, my God, hero rats. I Isn't that he- great? Now I, now I kind of want to hear Here, Danelle, rat. here's what it stands for. Go ahead and try to pronounce that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, ready? Yeah. Anti-personimogen onomatopoeia product <laughs> oinkawinkin. It <laughs> seemed not, close. It's not, I mean, we'll just stick with A. Okay, A-O-P-O. Anti-personimogen onomatopoeia product onkawinkin. That is exactly how you pronounce I'm that. I'm glad they abbreviated that because no one's going to go to their <laughs> well, website. In English, <laughs> it's anti-personnel landmines removal product development. Oh, okay. Great. Okay. So you're trying to make us read in a different language, Kenny. Well, yeah. I mean, it said it right below. You guys just didn't. God damn it. Ooh. Ooh. It's a giant that. rat. That doesn't even look like a rat. That no. looks like something else. Oh, it's a rat. I've never seen a rat like that. And I like it. <laughs> it actually is kind of cute. I would like have that as a pet. I've thought very about, smart. I've thought about getting a guinea pig one day. My two, the two neighbor girls across the street have two guinea pigs mm-hmm. and they are super tame and mm-hmm. they have them in their front yard all the time playing with them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, They're they just seem like great. Chilling. They seem great. Yeah. I mean, I have a dog right now, so I don't need. You're, you're good. And a horse. And you a got kid. Things. You got things. I got that kid that I got to take care oh, of. You got that, that kid you got to lug around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay <clears throat> i am covering the hold on you're like wait i gotta i look. gotta look at the name of it <laughs> <laughs> the 1996 honolulu hostage crisis you love a hostage crisis i love a hostage <laughs> crisis it's my favorite i think because i'm afraid of hostage crises Are crises you? yeah um, okay, so I am specifically talking about the survivor who was held captive the longest. His name is Tom McNeil. Uh, Tom McNeil was 30 at the time of the hostage crisis and was living in Honolulu. Lucky dog. Lucky bastard. <laughs> um, but he was actually born and raised in Canada, also oh. known as Canada. Okay. Um, 
So it was at a place called Seal Masters of Hawaii. And it was a, a man named John Miranda who was a former employee who was disgruntled for being mm. let go. It's always those disgruntled employees. And he was a meager six foot five inches tall. Damn. So Kenny, if you guys want a reference point, is six foot four. Oh, you are? Yeah. So, but this man, I, I watched a video of it, is much thicker than our Kenneth mm-hmm. is. Okay? So he's a big old honking man. <laughs> six five, I mean. Yeah. Ugh. So he, he busts into Seal Masters at 8 a.m., um, I guess it was just before 8 a.m. I'm like, relax, buddy. That's that's too early. Don't be an overachiever. Um, and Sleep Seal Masters a is. Bit. I, first, I thought Seal Masters like took care of seals because I, I was like, Honolulu. They is have it seals. Is like a, a weatherproofing? Yeah. <laughs> Do you like how I, I don't know how I like, know that, but I was like, oh my god, there's seals there. Oh, and how could you be disgruntled? You exactly. help seals. Oh my god. Uh, no, it was weatherproofing things. I kind of get it though. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a hard job. It needs to happen. People it needs need that. It needs to happen, but it's not a fun job. So I could see why you'd be maybe disgruntled. <clears throat> he was disgruntled because he was let go. Well, he right. was fired. Okay. And yeah. he said it was because he was of Hawaiian descent. So he thought it was a uh, racist thing. But you're in Hawaii, dude. Dude, I know. I don't get it. But it's fine. I mean, who knows who empl- his right. employers were? True. They could have been like white old men. Right. Um, anyway, he came in just before 8 a.m. and he was demanding $20,000. That's it? That's what I said. Um, <laughs> so terrible. Uh, all of this was captured on live television, which in 1996 was a fairly new thing to happen. Like, people weren't used that to seeing pre-OJ? That. I feel like pre-OJ, that was for sure like an... It was right around the time of OJ because... OJ what was when I, 1996. I think OJ was 97. So yeah, okay. so pre, so that's real new to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, let's see, Miranda had been, he was 28 years old. He had been fired months earlier. Okay. And so he's been working this up for a couple months. Like he's ready. Yes. Okay. Um, and the guy, uh, like the owner of the company was ready to just like give him the 20,000 and then make a police report. Like this guy came and like, stole $20,000. Right. But his wife was like, do not give him the money. Call the police first. And that enraged Miranda. What would you do? I mean, I guess if I had the $20,000, i would probably give it to him just and to avoid. And then make the police report. Right, just to avoid the like. I would too. I was just curious. But she probably, I mean, they probably didn't know that this well, was no, going to happen. and she probably was. He, I'm sure her husband came home a lot at night and was like, this employee did this. So she's probably like, screw that. Don't give him the money. Like, right. Exactly. Um, okay. Do, 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 do. Um, just chugging this wine. So I know it's, it's very easy to go down you guys. Uh, so, he, uh, Miranda, the guy who got fired and is now taking hostages, he comes in with a sawed off shotgun mm. He makes his cash demand, and the owner, Harry Lee, like I said, was ready to hand it over. But Lee's wife insisted on calling the police. But while he was calling the police, Miranda got real pissed and rounded up five hostages before the SWAT team even arrived. Mm -hmm. And that's when things started getting crazy, said McNeil. McNeil is the guy who ends up being held hostage for the longest, and that's who this survival story is about. Okay. He's Um, the one from Canada, right? He's the one from Canada. Um, Let's see. 
One person that was also held hostage among all this in that group of five was somebody named Guy George, a supervisor who was the one who actually had fired Miranda. Mm. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So the SWAT team arrives, and um, Miranda takes aim at George, the guy who fired him, mm-hmm. and squeezes the trigger, and he blows off half of George's right leg. Oh, jeez. Yeah, disgusting. Uh, McNeil gave first aid, and he tried to make a, a tourniquet to, like, mm-hmm. stop the bleeding. Um, but this, like, act of first aid set Miranda off again, and he turned on McNeil, and he forced another coworker to duct tape the barrel of the sawed-off shotgun to the back of McNeil's neck. And then, and then Miranda had him duct tape the handle and trigger to his hand. So now the shotgun is taped to McNeil's head around the neck yeah. with duct tape. And it's taped to Miranda's hand on the trigger. So they're taped together via shotgun. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? I'm trying to picture it. Yeah. But I don't know what a sawed-off shotgun looks like. I mean, just imagine a shotgun. Okay. Usually they saw it off because it does more damage. Oh, is that why? I mm-hmm. didn't know that. I thought it was more, it was easier to hide, which doesn't really make sense. No, it they'll saw be... off the end because um, the bullet comes out sooner than it's supposed to and causes more damage to oh, whatever you're shooting. okay. Damn, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he now has a... a, a a shotgun taped to his head, basically. Um, and during this time, while this duct taping is happening, mm-hmm. George, who had been shot in the leg and has this, like, tourniquet on, um, decides this is his chance to escape. He jumps out a window. No. Falling four and a half <gasps> meters, which I looked up, is nearly 15 feet. Now, we know from last week's episode. Exactly. You don't really survive over three stories. Right, so I don't know he, what 15 So that's feet a good, is. well, I feel like that's. It's like a story and a half, Yeah, I, I feel like he's, he's got a good chance. Yeah. Maybe not with the leg, though. Good news. No, he's fine. Good. Okay. I mean, I don't know what, so I don't know what like happened to him. he just, threw himself out of a window. Yeah, he, well, basically, here's he's what He's like, ha- bye. Well, in the video, it's very scary, like, uh, sorry, I'm getting all the names confused. Miranda, the shooter, mm-hmm. is holding George's head, like, by the hair in the window and, like, no. screaming, and he's already been, he, he already shot George, so. George is like freaking out and he's in the window and the window has been broken out. That's awful. What an awful like, and thing And so to when see the duct too. taping thing happened, he George is already by the window and he just fucking jumps out. <laughs> he, and there's all this blood. Blood just like smears down the building as he falls out. It's so funny when we read these stories. Like I remember I did the mining story and I read it and I was just like, oh, this is gruesome and awful. And then I watched a video on it mm-hmm. and it just made it so much more... Like, the expressions and, like, that detail, like, him, like, falling out the window and holding him by his head. Like, that's awful. That's yeah. gruesome. Yeah. And there was just, like, like I said, the blood coming down the building as he fell out. Mm. It was a Gross. lot of blood. Okay. Um, so, then Miranda orders all the hostages that are left out onto an outdoor staircase. So, like, okay. right next to where that window is, there's, like, a little outdoor staircase. So, he orders them all out. When they all get out there, the rest of them are, like, well... These two yahoos are duct taped together. I'm making a run for it. So the other three that are left. Three? Yeah. The other three that are left run. So now it's just McNeil and Miranda duct taped to each other on the top of the staircase. Oh, my God. So for the next six hours, Miranda and McNeil and the SWAT team stood there and negotiated. And McNeil was basically like, 
I'm just letting the SWAT team do the other thing. Like, I don't want to get shot. Yeah, it's, for sure. These pictures I will show you are terrifying. And who knows how, like, easy the trigger is or, like, it's, I mean. He has a duct tape to him. It's like, it's not like he like has to aim. Like, one wrong move and it's like. Yeah, it's not like Miranda has to even aim. It's just, like, there. There. At the base of his neck. And there's no surviving that, obviously. No, no, no. Because, I mean, if you, if you shot him from even a slight distance and blew off half of someone's leg, if it's duct taped to the back of your neck, guess You're what? You're mm-hmm. um, Good news, though. When they went out onto the stairwell, there was a SWAT team that had gone in a different entrance and locked Miranda and McNeil out of the building. Okay. So now at least Miranda couldn't get back in the building with a gun. Okay. So he's stuck on this stupid staircase. Because there's other employees probably still in there. Yes. Right? Yeah. So now they're just stuck on this staircase. Hmm. So, and it's just so bizarre to see cameras rolling and like there's news people like standing out there reporting on it. And it's just like, they're just out here the it open. is. Yeah. With a gun duct taped to someone's head. Um, so McNeil said he was, uh, it was beyond afraid even. It was a feeling that I better not do anything crazy to make the shotgun go off. And I better let the SWAT team communicate with the gunman and let them try to handle it. So he's like, like he has no power in this situation. Mm-mm. And he just is like, I guess I have to let them do their thing. <clears throat> so after all the hours, Miranda finally decides to end it. So it's been six hours and he's like, you know what? This is over. So he tells McNeil, count down from 60. Mm. And McNeil is like, oh, hell no. I'm not counting down to my own death. Mm -mm. That's not happening. So he refused. So Miranda starts the countdown from 60. And McNeil recalls, like, he said, he doesn't know if he's really going to get to zero and then shoot him. Well, if he decides 10 yeah. is now, like, it's he's dealing with a madman. And so there's he's no just escape. Like, <laughs> like, this thing is duct taped to your head. There's no... You can't take it. You can't duck. You can't run. Get, you can't get ready. Anything. Get ready. So he decides, McNeil in his head decides, when he gets to 10, he's making his move. Okay. It was do or die. Um, so basically, because they had been out there for so long mm-hmm. in the Hawaiian heat and humidity, the duct tape was loose a oh, bit. Good. So he was able to shift in the duct tape. To some degree. Mm -hmm. So as he got to 10, he turned slightly to the left and he felt the shotgun shift a bit to the right on his neck. Um, And he said with one swift motion, he swung as hard as he could to the left. And then Miranda pulled the trigger. Mm. The shot went through McNeil's t-shirt, but did not hit McNeil. Oh my God. And then it was just like chaos. The SWAT team is like, run and so he takes off he hears another shot from the shotgun and then he hears all this gunfire um the SWAT team fired 13 times and killed Miranda now he didn't die instantly they took him to the hospital where he later died yeah um this part freaks me out McNeil drops to the ground uh wait that's very strange. Oh, so he's running away, and um, he says he looks over, and John Miranda is dying and wincing, but he doesn't see the shotgun. And then oh, no. he realizes that the shotgun is still duct taped to him. No. So he drops to the ground and grabs it and 
just like pulls all the duct tape and the gun off of him. But he was running away with the shotgun still attached to him. Is there a picture showing like how it was taped to him or not? Yes. I'm just curious as yeah, to Yeah, it like... doesn't look like they did a great job. Like again, it was another hostage that did it. Yeah. But still it was good enough that it lasted for six hours on yeah. a hot stairwell and until he, still he decided had to come to make up a with move. a plan to get out of it. Right. Um so this this was his quote. I grabbed the barrel of it and I said the words, I've had enough. I've had about enough of you today. And he ripped the duct tape and gun off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, get it. Um, so he got into the ambulance and his heart was racing and his blood pressure was skyrocketing. But he said, I knew I hadn't been shot. And I was like, that is insane. Wow. Um, so Miranda was taken to the hospital where he later died. Uh, the autopsy of him determined he had drugs in his system, which mm. is, like, not shocking. Yeah. Uh, he had cocaine, methamphetamine, and marijuana. That's a mix. That's <laughs> that's some uppers and downers. Yeah, and everything working against each other. Yeah, I don't like that mix. Um, so McNeil started getting calls from the media, and they asked Miranda had he ever mentioned his girlfriend during the hostage situation because she had been reported missing on January 31st, 1996. Wait, when did the hostage happen? Mm. Like early, like earlier than that? or I don't know. I mean, it had to have been earlier than that. No, it wasn't earlier than that. Oh. Because then police found out from an informant that they found a, a woman's body buried in the <gasps> swampy area of Kauai Nui Marsh. I'm oh, sure I didn't no. say that right. Her remains were found in a box in a shallow grave. And that was Miranda's girlfriend. So he had killed his girlfriend. Oh probably sometime before the hostage situation mm-hmm. probably got all doped up on drugs and then decided he was going to go do this. Wow. Like get this money, honey. <sighs> that's awful. Um, okay. So that's the hostage situation. But then I have some other news about our, our survivor. Survivor. Um, six days after being held hostage, McNeil married his girlfriend, Sherry Davidson. Six days. Get the it. administrative professional at Seal Masters of Hawaii. Um, they had already lived together for two years, and basically they were just like, you know what? Let's Life's do too this. short. Let's yeah. make this happen. Um, <clears throat> so they didn't have their families there because obviously it was short notice. <laughs> but they did have another ceremony a year later when both their families could be there. And um, they started their own business together. Uh, McNeil became a licensed contractor. And business started picking up, but Davidson, his wife, uh, found herself longing for Texas. And so she returned to her home state. McNeil stayed in Honolulu, and the couple eventually divorced, but they still talk. Oh, okay. Don't worry. It's not over yet. In 2008, uh, McNeil's business started to suffer, and so did his health. So this was like, you know, 2008 was terrible. Everything suffered, yeah. Um, So he was at his friend's house, and then he woke up three weeks later in a hospital. And he had suffered from a seizure. Oh. Uh, So he was eventually diagnosed with epilepsy, and his mother had failing health. And so in 2010, he moved back to Alberta, Canada, and he settled in in Spruce Grove. Um, So anyway, the good news is, is none of his epilepsy was due to the hostage situation or what happened there. It was because of a shrunken hippocampus. Don't know what that means. Anyway, um, long story short, he had all these tests and things like that uh, to figure out what was going on. Um, but the big thing is, 
uh, his doctor said, when a person gets evaluated for an epilepsy surgery, nobody goes into this cavalierly. You have to make sure you're going to take out, if you're going to take out brain, that you do it from an area of the brain that would not be missed terribly. <laughs> like, whoa, okay. Ah! Um, he thinks that, so there is a slight tie. The doctor believed that McNeil's seizures were initially caused by alcohol use, like heavy alcohol oh. use, which happened because he was kind of a celebrity after the hostage situation. And he, did, he couldn't deal with it. No. He said he would walk into any bar oh. and people would just buy him rounds and rounds of drinks and he would get wasted. Oh, yeah. So he said living this life as a national celebrity, or I would call it a regional celebrity, uh, he got to the point where he was drinking too much. So the prolonged seizures called, caused scars on his brains. Uh, anyway. So he had to have a surgery to he fix did. the seizures. Yeah. Wow. But his doctor said, having known Tom for a number of years, I'm always remarking that Tom is such a happy-go-lucky person that somebody with epilepsy and seizures as severe as he presently has would be terribly stressed. Tom is an exceptional human. He never gets down about these things. He's always looking on the bright side. So it's just like such an interesting story because even after such a terrible tragedy like when you're like 30 years old. survived death twice. Yeah. <laughs> um... So anyway, there's a lot of, uh, this article also goes on to talk a lot about, um, you know, has violence increased and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm just going to skip that because it says basically, no, there's always been violence. <laughs> so I'll get to the last quote from McNeil. He said, don't spend so much time concentrating on the things you can't change that are out of your control. I see a lot of people doing that and I see them getting depressed then about something they can't even change. So he's, <laughs> his whole outlook on life is, you know, you can't control everything and you just, you know, don't let it get you down. Cause that's not, that's not on you. It's, and not, it's out of your hands. So exactly. just, yeah. Go so with anyway, the flow. That is the story of the Honolulu hostage crisis. Wow. Damn. Shotgun tape to your head. Ugh, it's not what you want. Mm-mm. I do like duct tape. I do not want anything duct taped to my head or my face, Ooh. like any area. It went like around his neck. I as I'll I, I was pictures. trying to like picture it, and I that's kind of how I pictured it. Yeah, I was like at the base of his neck. At and first, I, I had like, a really weird picture in my mind of it. And I'm like, no, that can't be. That, that can't be it. Yeah, I feel like it was like hastily done by another hostage. Yeah, so it was like course. just janky, but. But thank God it was hot there and they were outside. So it yeah. could like, I mean, literally if, if, if someone did that to me in Honolulu within like 20 minutes, oh I'd be able God, to wiggle yeah. out of that with the amount of sweat that comes out of me. Yes. It would have been like <laughs> just falling off you. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh, this is, it's off. I just, Oops, uh, do it again. <laughs> get the duct tape. And then when he's getting it, I run away. Anyway. Good job. Okay. Thanks. Kenny. Okay. Moving to Lincoln, Nebraska now. Hmm. Uh, Lincoln man pleads to city council to stop the use of the term what? I'll give you a little hint. Here's the first paragraph. A Lincoln man spoke passionately at a recent city council meeting about the improper use of a term used in restaurants and bars across the world. Hmm. A term. It's three words. I don't know if that helps, but. Hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking, hold on. Word, three words that you see or hear at a restaurant? Yep, or bar. Hmm. He thinks it's the improper use of it. I have no idea. Boneless chicken wings. <gasps> oh. He he's, says. I mean, he has meeting, a point. 
Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually <laughs> right. ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are casually throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning. True story. Yep. Those are basically chicken nuggets. He suggests alternative names, including buffalo-style chicken tenders and saucy nugs. Mm. Neither of them are that great. Saucy nugs, no. I don't think he should be in charge of naming things. I think he should be in charge of unnaming things. Sure. I mean, I agree. I've agreed with that statement in the past is that boneless chicken wings aren't chicken wings. They're chicken tenders. They're chicken tenders. Yeah, Yeah. they're they're chunks of chicken tenders. Yeah. It's not the same. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. That's a good one. I... I don't. I, I was like thinking nugs, though is where I want to go with my life. No, I don't like the word nugs. I was thinking I, like I things like saucy nugs. I like saucy. saucy. Nugs. I feel like it's like I don't know. I don't know. But then I think of things like saucy chunks, and that just sounds like you're putting sauce on vomit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I'll take the saucy chunks. Who <laughs> <laughs> kind of sauce do you want on those chunks? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. I I feel. What's his name? Uh, his name was. What's his name? I thought maybe it was going to be something that a server or bartender says a lot. Ander Christensen. Ander? Ander. Interesting. Interesting or name. Or Ander. I'm going to say Ander. Probably Ander. And I'm going to say you're an American hero. Ander. Thank you, social justice warrior. I mean, um, with everything going on in this country, I'm I glad think you're we can all out. agree on this one item. You know what? <laughs> it's actually going to bring people together. This is going to bring people together. So Ander... Really- Cheers to you. American hero. Cheers. True American hero. We raise our Moscato to you. Didn't you make a G.I. Joe reference recently? Yeah, like no. the last episode. <laughs> a real true American hero. <laughs> Ander from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> Cheers to you, my friend. Oh, my God. I love it. Thanks for tuning in. You guys can tune in on Tuesdays for more Sip, Survive, Repeat. Bye. Bye. Bye.